I'd like to just uh, extend in Malachi where it says in verse 16, and the, and the Lord listened and heard. Well, first it says, then those who feared the Lord, that means reverenced him, spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. And so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who meditated on his name. See, tonight, the Lord is watching and listening to everything, and nothing passes him by. And he's got a book of remembrance, and he writes everything down. One day, we're going to sit at his feet up in heaven. He's going to open that book to your name, and he's going to re reward you and talk about your life down here, and it's going to be wonderful. You're going to be glad for that day because the Lord keeps good books. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for this night. I thank you for each and every person here that showed up. They came believing to receive something from you tonight, Lord. They came to give. Everyone has something to give because you are in each one of us. So, Father, I thank you that there will be a divine exchange tonight that your love for each and every one of us will be felt in a very new, fresh, and deep way. We thank you for the anointing on the word of God tonight, that it hits the mark. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. In case you're wondering about Pastor Sid, he and his family are in Missouri, and they will be coming back this weekend sometime. Um, so keep them in your prayers. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't like elephants in the room, so I'm going to expose the elephant in the room. Is that okay? I think we're all aware that there, that we're living in a very unique time in the history of mankind. Never has there been a global event that has happened that did happen in 2020. There's been plagues of all kinds all over the world, but nationally or regionally, never globally. And this has started the birth pains or the clock ticking toward the end of days. We're not just witnessing it, we're living in it. In it, but not of it. And that's important to understand. Jo Jesus said in John 17, 15, Father, my prayer is that you don't take them out of the world, but you protect them and keep them safe from the evil one. So we're in this world for such a time as this. And it's an important time. We all better understand that. The comfortable and the passive and the slumbering church is waking up to the obvious fact we have a fight on our hands. I don't know if you're aware of, in Congress, it was passed, the Equality Act. How many of you heard about this act? Or right, a lot of you. You're in the know. This will change the course of life for young children, especially school-aged. Really, everyone, for that matter. 
So these things are going on in our time, our world right now. The fight that we're, fa- that we're fighting is a fight for our faith, our precious faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is what pleases the Father. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The just is justified by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus himself said, when I come back, will I find faith upon the earth? Faith is very precious to the Lord. Faith in what? Faith in who? Good question. If you're looking to put faith in anyone or anything horizontal, you're going to be sadly disappointed. And many believers have been very sadly disappointed uh, in 2020 and 2021 because of that. What I believe is on the chopping block right now is truth. The father of lies is working fast and furiously to unplug truth through censorship, recreating or rewriting history, brainwashing our students and college students, uh, the Luciferian uh, frequency of the media that doesn't know how to tell the truth, and this false unity. You probably have all seen the bumpers coexist with all the different religions, the cross right in the middle. Don't ever sacrifice truth on the altar of unity. Don't ever do it. Because that's what they're pushing, is this unity. Pilate asked one of the best questions in the Bible when Jesus was standing in front of him at the crucifixion. He said, what is truth? Well, here was truth standing right in front of him because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one goes to the Father but through him. The world has many, many ways to heaven or to God, but Jesus said there's only one way. One way, and the way is Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, that's John 14, 6. Psalms 119, 160 says, All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And John 1, 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In John 17, 17, it says, Jesus said, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them with truth. Thy word is truth. You don't have to go any further than your Bible to find the infallible truth on the earth today. Amen? Glory to God. So loving the truth is a safeguard against deception. In Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of days? And this is what Jesus said. Take heed that no man deceive you. That's what he said. The first thing out of his mouth. Take heed that no man deceive you. Then he continued with a list of which is all happening simultaneous right now. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 7, ever learning and never able to come 
to the knowledge of the truth. That's the practical understanding through education or experience. Second Thessalonians 2.10 says, And with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they may be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And you can see that strong delusion in Romans chapter 1, where it starts with when they knew God, they did not glorify God. See, worship and praise is vital, vital to our walk with God. And the second was being unthankful. Not being thankful for the things that God has already done for you. Being a murmur and a complainer, it will take you away from that righteous walk that God has for us. The third is the useless in, useless in thoughts, futile. And then so much that it darkened their foolish hearts and drew them away into sexual perversion. See, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens by decisions. Amen? That they did not love the truth. What is truth? If somebody asked you, would you be able to answer them? What is truth? Like Pilate asked Jesus? I think one of the best descriptions, and there's a lot of them in the Bible, but Acts 16 or 17 verses 24 to 31, Paul is typically preaching in synagogues to Jews, but he walks into a city called Athens, and Athens was a pagan city, and they had many gods that they worshipped, and there was one statue that said, to the unknown God, wow. That was an opportunity for Paul. And he looked at that and gathered a crowd and said, let me tell you about this unknown God. He is the creator and he created everything. He created you. He created all of you. And when he did all that, he came down to his creation and he became one of us took on human flesh and blood and walked among us. And his creation killed him, put him on a cross and killed him. But he didn't stay in the grave. He arose again from the dead. And he is our resurrected Savior. This is the truth. And he offers salvation to anyone. And he is coming back to judge. To see if they acknowledged him as creator, if they accepted him as savior, and if not, they will face him as judge. This is the truth, and it's all about Jesus. It's a simple truth, but it is life-altering. Amen? Let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews 4. Verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. And you LTS students out there, you know this scripture by heart. I should have you all say it. <laughs> For those of you who do know it, just say it along. 
For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There is a day of judgment for all of us. Do you know that? So it's good to remind ourselves that we can deceive ourselves and we can deceive others, but we cannot deceive the Lord. He will not be mocked. He sees right through us. Men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, the heart of the matter. He hears our thoughts. He weighs our motives. He's longing that we be faithful in the little things. He's longing that we be people of integrity. You know what integrity is? It's doing the right thing when no one's looking. When you're all by yourself and you think no one sees me. But that's not the truth. There is somebody who does always see you. He wants us to be people of integrity and character, compounding truth every day, being quick to repent in those areas that are needing purging. Amen. Praise the Lord. He loves us so much and he wants the best for each and every one of us. So when we enter into crisis, which really 2020 was in so many ways, that crisis is not what brings us closer to the Lord. It reveals what's inside. And that, my friends, is a really good thing. We should never be afraid when the Lord brings anything to the surface. The church at large has been afraid to look at sin and look at evil in the face and call it by name. Pride and fear have prevented this. But God is doing a new thing. We cannot remain neutral anymore. He's purifying. He's purging. He's uh, bringing discernment to the body of Christ. He's bringing things to the surface. Luke 8, 17 says, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known. It will be revealed here or there, but all will be revealed at one point or another. Why is God doing this? Why is he doing this, especially right now? He's doing it for repentance. He's doing it for change. John the Baptist ended, ended his ministry. His last words were repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus started his ministry with the same words. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance brings cleansing. It brings freedom. Everybody say freedom. It does. It brings so much freedom. And it brings holiness. Holiness is returning to the body of Christ. A zeal for holiness. To be right 
righteous before the Lord. A willingness to look at sin within, taking responsibility for it, repenting and kicking it out. True repentance is a change of mind and a change of action, a decision of the will, a choice to live for God and shun evil. Pastor Jake Hale said it this way, repentance has to do with change. The word in the original Greek refers to an internal change of heart and mind. This change of mind leads to a change of behavior. Repentance also has to do with turning toward God. A genuine repentance is to see sin as God sees it. Changing our heart and our mind about it and turning away from it and turning to God. Some things that I've noticed is that some Sometimes people are trying to change their behavior, but they have not yet changed their mind. Deep inside, they love the sin that they are bound to and want to hold on to it. You cannot get free from sin that you're minimizing, justifying, or don't sincerely want to be freed from. There must be genuine repentance in order for deliverance to happen. Repentance and faith in Jesus is a doorway to salvation and life in Jesus and relationship with God the Father. Repentance is also a necessary part of our continual walk with the Lord as we confess sin along the way and repent where is needed. John the John the Baptist, we were talking about him. He, he preached repentance and people would come by the droves to the river and confess their sins and get, and get free. And he looked up at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, standing on the bank in their, their pride, hiding behind the Abraham law. And he called them. We talked about this last, Pastor Sid talked about this last week. He said, why was Jesus so hard to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, calling them brood of vipers? Well, John the Baptist did the same thing because they were hypocrites. They were pious. They wanted everyone to think that they were all that on the outside, but inside was full of decay and evil. There was their Messiah right in front of them. And all they wanted to do is kill him and get rid of him because it meant that they would have to take second place. True repentance, he said, John said to these men, bear fruits worthy of repentance. There's a visible fruit to repentance. Your progress should be evident and measurable to yourself and to those in your sphere of influence. That's the true repentance that God's looking for in all of us. Amen. I'm, I'm just going to say this. Holiness will soon be the standard in the true church. Not the stuffy religious standards that have gone on for way too long, but true holiness of the heart, holding the things relating to God as sacred and holding them close to our heart as precious. Reverential fear, holy fear and honor and respect for the things of God. They're coming. 
Unity, holiness, uprightness, purity will be the norm because of the reverential fear within the, within the true church. We will see a deeper respect for one another as well, and it will correspond to the love and the integrity and the unity and the transparency found in local bodies just like this. Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, I am travailing, I'm laboring in birth again for you until Christ is formed in you. Paul saw the need for prevailing prayer. Just because someone gets born again, it doesn't mean they live for the Lord. Amen or oh me. While the world is going through birth pains of the soon coming Messiah, which we will see social and economic unrest and changes. It's coming. Don't be ignorant to that. Don't be fearful of it either. But the body of Christ is also undergoing birth pains, but on a very personal level in the hearts of each and every one who is called by the name of the Lord, birthing into the next level of growth and spiritual maturity. Like contractions, birthing that next level in growth. And the key is that we keep our eyes on and focus on what God's doing in our hearts and not being distracted about the birth pains going on in the world. Where is your treasure? The Lord is going to ask each one of us. So there are things that are definitely in our future going to be happening in the world. And I like what Pastor Bill Hake said. He had a vision of many waves coming. And he saw the true church on the top of the wave. And many were swept under in turbulent times. But the church was up on the waves, getting the bird's eye view of what's going on in that peace. And that's exactly where the, where the Lord wants us. In fact, those who are walking with the Lord in these days, it will be like the light of Gosha to, in comparison to the darkness of Egypt. It's not times to be afraid, but it is time to be serious about your walk with the Lord. Romans 13, let's go there. I hope you have your Bibles tonight. You know, I, I uh, sat under Pastor Dale Armstrong for many, many years, 20-some years, and I never went to church without my Bible. I, I just feel that I felt that that's just the way it was. You always brought your Bible with you because it's the truth so that your eye gates can look at it while you're listening to the word being spoken. So both gates could, could absorb the word of God. But in Romans 13, verses 10 to 14, it says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time that now is high time to awake on a sleep. It's time to wake up. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk properly as in the days, not in rivalry or drunkenness, in lewdness and lust, and not in strife and jealousy and envy. That should not be a part of the body of Christ. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So there are two imperatives in this, in what we just read and or two commands. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, flesh and the lust of it. Deceitful lust. So a command or an imperative like this, it means you take action. It's action we must take because it is a command of the Lord and God awaits a response. He's watching. What are you doing with truth? What are you doing with it? Ephesians 4.22 says that we put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt. It's corrupt with all the lust of the flesh, according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, your mental disposition, your attitude about life. And put on the new man every day. Why did I say every day? Because it's the only day you have. Today's it. You don't have yesterday and you don't have tomorrow. It's not here yet. You're not, you're not in that. You have today 24 hours to live for the resurrective Savior who died for you. I think we all need to ask questions like, what does being born again really mean to me? Is it just my sins were forgiven? Does it mean I got a ticket to heaven? Good question, isn't it? Questions are really good for us to think about and really give time to answer it correctly. So we are called to put on the new man every day, which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. Second Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you truly are born of the Spirit, Jesus himself said, you must be born again. There has to be a moment in your life that you have humbled yourself, submitted yourself to Jesus and said, I was born in sin, as we all know. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there comes a moment where we, we stand before the Lord and submit our spirit to him. And in that moment, the so work of the Godhead comes in and recreates your spirit, gives you a brand new spirit, alive unto God. And now you're a new creature. You are now possessed by God. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness. Satan was your father, but he no longer is. Amen. Glory to God. Now the father who created you 
You belong to him. And he is a good father, a faithful father. He looks over what belongs to him. Amen. So in that moment, when you got born again and your spirit was made brand new, we are commanded to behold the new thing that was done in us. We're to behold truth because many of us were plagued by the lies of our past, the voices of the lies that spoke over our, our lives and to our lives, traditions of men, deceitfulness, all that that was contrary to the word of God. We've got to start beholding the new and looking at what Jesus says we are and putting our belief in that and turning from the lies of the father of lies that have been spoken over us. Amen. See, you can't, you know, I was a good old Catholic for 29 years. And back then, you couldn't confess your sins unless it was in front of a priest on Saturday morning. So if I sinned during the week, I had this little red wagon behind me, and I had to throw them in the little red wagon and wheel them all week long, burdened down by the sins, until Saturday morning when I could confess them and get free. I'm telling you, when a Catholic gets the truth, it's like, give me a, a megaphone and the highest mountain so I can just set as many people free as possible. Because it's the traditions of men that make the word of God of none effect in your life. But when you get free, the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Glory to God. Free to live this free life that Jesus paid such a high price for. So behold the new and stop the lies. Stop listening to the lies. Stop believing the lies. That's what they are. They're lies. This is what's truth. And God says to put your eyes on this and let it come into you and take over and let it become you. That's what the Lord, our Father, wants from each and every one of us. Amen. The process of discipleship is supernatural. Don't look for the spectacular. It's coming. But look for the supernatural change within your own heart. That's where the Lord is working right now. That's where he's always worked. But it seems like it's doubling and tripling up. Many want revival. I hear it all the time. What we need is revival. Well, I agree. But do you realize when there's true revival, it brings the manifested presence of the Lord. It brings his glory. It brings his fire. And it brings his judgment. Let that sink in. Because we have an example of that in Acts with Ananias and Sapphira. We all want more of God, but are we willing to make deliberate decisions to put more of the Lord on and make no provisions for the flesh? You know, the Lord wanted us to be a part of a church, a church body. 
He didn't want us out there floating around like, uh, you know, the geese who's off to the left while the formation is right here. What a great example of the unity, the provision, the safety of a, a group of geese that help one another, you know, take each, take a turn in being the leader and taking the brunt of it. It's such a great example of the body of Christ. But there are those who want to be out here and out here, and all they are is easy picking. Because the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. When you're in close contact with people, you get to know people. Now I'm going to meddle a little bit, if you don't mind. The most important preparation going on right now is you getting right with God on the inside, in your own heart, with the people in your sphere of influence. In 1 Timothy, verse 15, it says, May your progress be evident to all. Our progress should be measurable growth in grace and the knowledge of God's word in a genuine, transparent community of believers who know us and love us and want the best for us and aren't afraid to ask the hard questions. That's what the Lord wants for us. See, that's what the church is all about. It's being real and transparent. It's coming up to someone and saying, how are you doing? How's your family? How's your marriage? Do you pray together? Do you read the word together? Oh, oh, too busy. Yeah, I, I know you both work and you got kids and okay. How how are things going? Uh, stressful. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I can understand, you know. The hard thing is, do you know that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, that he'll add everything that you need in your life? But if you're too busy and too distracted to obey the word of God, then you're not going to get God's results. See, can we say that to one another? When we're struggling, you know, how about the young people who are who have like four credit cards and they're really deep in debt? Can we can we approach you and say, I'm sorry, you know, you did, you weren't taught that in school. It should have been taught in school how to take care of your finances. I'm really sorry about that. But can we talk about that now so we can stop the plug and the flow of that so you can change your mind about what you're doing, so you can turn the tide on that? Can we talk about that? No, I don't want anybody to know anything bad about me at all. And I'm not going to let you get close enough to know, by golly. Because I like my facade. I like to think everybody, I want everybody to think nice about me. I don't want you to know that there's something wrong in my life. Why would I do that? Well, you probably would do that because you're just a prideful believer. But that's not where the Lord is working right now, my friends. The facades are coming down. Larry Mills said it very well. A shaking's going on. And the shaking starts in the church first. 
and that means me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. You know, we all want to be healed. They've got a lump somewhere or a bad lap test. Boy, we don't, we're, we're the first one to tell everybody, aren't we? Pray for me. You know, that external thing or what's going on. But don't tell somebody you're angry or jealous or envious or uh, fighting with your husband or your wife. Don't tell anybody that. That's behind closed doors. We don't want anybody to know that. See, we don't like get to, clo- to get close to people because we don't want them to know too much about us because they might say what we're doing is wrong. We don't mind. We don't want to offend anyone. But this is a deal. We don't mind offending God. That is an ouch, isn't it? We, we just don't mind offending God. But he sees everything. He knows everything. You can't buffalo him. He's in your stuff. He really is. And he loves you so much that he's not willing that you stay the same. That's how much he loves you. He wants you to come up higher. He wants you to get free from that bondage, from that captivity of the evil one in your life that's been so there for so long, you think it's you, but it's not you. It's not the true you whom God created as brand new. Those are the lies from the enemy to keep you bound with him. But you know, those questions, we should welcome them. We should welcome our spiritual progress. I'm telling you, it is the best preparation for the end times. Learning scripture, loving people, and getting involved in each other's lives. On a transparent and a humble level. Not being afraid to say something because you might offend them. If you're afraid to say something to someone because you might offend them, you have the fear of man operating in your life. And you need to repent of it and get rid of it. Amen? The most important thing, and I don't assume anything as I'm standing in front here, you must be born again. You have got to get a brand new spirit because your old spirit is of the kingdom of darkness, and your father is Satan. You have come, you've got to come before the Lord and repent of your sins and ask him to recreate a new spirit alive unto God in your life. That's the first moment, the best decision of your life. And from that point on, there's a renewal of our thinking There has to be a transformation by the renewing of your mind. Otherwise, you're stuck. It's like you're in a mud puddle and your your tires are just spinning. You're born again. You know you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, but you're still dealing with the same old thoughts of the old nature. And it's only the word of God that's going to set you free and put you on a different path of truth. 
That's why it says in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law should not depart out of your mouth. And why out of your mouth? Because when you speak out the word of God, it's producing life or death. And who hears it? The Satan, God, and you. You get it out into the atmosphere where the little G God is, and now you're telling him what for. You can't, you don't win battles in your head. I'm sorry, you don't. You win them in your mouth. That's why Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit of it. If you love life, you're speaking life. If you love death, you're complaining and murmuring every chance you get. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night. God doesn't mince words. Why did he say day and night? Because you get up in the morning and you start your life off with the word of God. It says in the book of James that your words set the course of the nature of your life. And you only got one day and today's it. You might as well start it off with the word of God and set the course of the nature with life. Shouldn't get out of bed. Don't even put your feet on the floor without speaking the word of God. Get a scripture that feeds your spirit. And but while you're still laying down, let it come right out of your mouth into the atmosphere intentionally with purpose. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. That'll produce joy for your day. There's power in that word. Then he says at night. Why? Because when you go to sleep, you've got this thing called the subconscious. And it drifts and it dreams and you don't have a whole lot of uh, control over that. But if you feed it with the word of God before you drift off, that word is saturating your mind. And the Holy Spirit's got something to, to bring up in the, in, the, in the night, in the darkness of the night, his word, his spirit. That's why God said, don't let this word, let it, let it be day and night that you meditate therein. But he doesn't stop there. Because you can memorize half the Bible and all it'll be is mental assent, knowledge puffed up. If you are not applying this word, taking this word and doing something with it today, then it's all mental assent. And it can make you very prideful. Observe to do all that's written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. God wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to have good success. He wants you to be the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. He wants you. Oh, now we're going to another medal, meddling. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, don't get me started. I, I have a the YouTube on my TV, and it's Do You Pray in the Spirit for an Hour? That's the title. It's Dave Robinson. And he's praying in tongues, and he's exhorting and encouraging and challenging you. And for an hour, an hour and 19 minutes, 
it's him praying in the spirit with background music. And that thing's on almost all the time in my house because it encourages me to pray in the spirit. If Jesus was baptized in the spirit before he started his ministry, do you think it's important for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? See, these are great questions, aren't they? You might, you might say, well, my denomination doesn't teach that. So. Um, I, I, I'm afraid I'd get kicked out of our church if I teach that. So would you rather have fear of men or obey God? He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled to overflowing. See, there's moments in our life that a decision will alter your life forever. And every time you choose to obey the word of God, you have just propelled yourself forward in the Lord, in blessing, in rewards, in everything. There's too many believers, too many in the pulpit that have fear of men, fear of money draining from their church, fear of not preaching the whole gospel. See, we don't tear out pages of the Bible. We don't get to pick and choose what we're going to preach. We preach the whole gospel. We're going to stand before the Lord one day. And we're going to give an account of what we did in the body. And whether or not we did the Great Commission. Each and every one of us. You are all abled ministers of the gospel. You all can teach the word of God. You all can pray in the Holy Spirit. You all need to be born again. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourself with other believers. Even more as you see the day approach. How many of you are seeing the day approaching? More than ever. The forsaking of the assembling of yourself. What did Satan do so radically in 2020? Is he tore down that avenue of the church assembling itself together. I am so grateful, as I all, I know you all are too, with uh, a pastor who saw that scripture in Hebrew and said, we're not shutting down. If I'm the only one sitting in the front pew, if I'm the only one here Saturday night, I'll be here. But we all rallied around that faith, didn't we? And look what the Lord has done. I dare say if we all stand up and have a testimony of what the Lord has done in 2020 in each one of our lives, it will all be progressive faith. We are not the same as we were at the beginning of 2020. We've all grown up in our faith. It was challenged and we took it and we ran with it. Amen. So there's very few things that the Lord asks of us. He asks us to get born again, John 3, 3. He tells us to renew our mind in Romans 12. He says, read your Bible day and night, Joshua 1, 8. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself in Hebrews and in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he says, pray without ceasing. 
the church needs to return back to the house of prayer. Wednesday um, morning at 9 o'clock downstairs in the cafe, we have a time of prayer for CWI. For those of you who aren't doing anything on Wednesday morning, I'd like you to reschedule your schedule and put down in your calendar to come to CWI at 9 o'clock, for those of you who can, and pray an hour in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. You are yielding your tongue to the Holy Spirit. You are saying, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're giving access to your heavenly Father to have his will done not just in your life, but in the lives of others as well. You're giving him access to that. And it's so important that we allow the Lord access to our heart. Some of us have been bound by things in our past for way too long. I remember when I first became born again, I was the best complainer on the planet because I had so many problems. And all I did was talk about them. I didn't know better. I didn't know Proverbs 18, 20 and 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And all I did was dig my problems and my troubles deeper. But when, the, when I started coming to Church of the Word and started reading the Word and, and finding out that I could really turn from that, that's when things started to change for me. Those things that are bound up in your life, whether they be familiar spirits, whether they be generational curses, whatever they may be, the bondages that you seem like you just can't break through and get to the other side, God wants to do that for you. But you've got to recognize there's some stuff in you that's not of him. You've got to be willing and humble to face the sin within. And call it by name and get rid of it. Do you know that one-third of Jesus' ministry when he walked on the earth was casting out demons? Why don't we hear about that anymore? Why is it all about preaching the good news and all about healing the sick and nothing about casting out demons? Now, if you're a born-again believer, you, your spirit is possessed of God. Satan cannot possess you, but you can be oppressed. You absolutely can. I know because I was very oppressed, depressed, um, tired, you name it. The list was long. And it was all oppression from the enemy. And I remember one night getting a book by Derek Prince, um, dealing with generational curses. And I sat down in front of my fireplace many, many years ago. And I sat and read that book and said every prayer out loud and, and did business with the devil. And I intentionally and purposely rid my generation of all those ungodly things that I did not, was not aware at the time were oppressing me. Pastor Sid has talked about self-deliverance 
and you can self-deliver. When you're in a situation and you're feeling jealous and envious or uh, unloved, you can stop and recognize that's not bringing joy to me. That's not truth. So you got to think about what you're thinking about. And when that happens, you now can recognize this is the enemy. And with your voice, you can use what's inside, that righteousness inside, and say, I recognize that as a spirit of jealousy or fear or infirmity. There's many. And I recognize that. I take full responsibility for that, and I cast it out in the name of Jesus. We need to get to this point, church, because the glory of God is coming. Jesus said, judge yourself. Examine your own heart. Take your eyes off of other people and put it inward and find out what's going on in there that you need to clear up before the Lord. Because when that glory and fire comes, you're either going to hit the altar or run out the back door. One of each. And it's coming. So tonight, can we have the worship team up here? Tonight, this is what the Lord is speaking to each and every one of us. It's time that we look inside our own hearts and reevaluate our walk with God, reevaluate our walk with others in areas of our life where we are not pleasing the Father. And be willing and transparent to take responsibility for it and ask for repentance if need be someone else, but certainly yourself. The times are coming that the time of preparation is going to be over. And I'm, not, I'm saying that with all sincerity and seriousness. The days are long spent. We need to get right with God. And it starts within our hearts, not out here, in here. So tonight, I'd like to give you all an opportunity to come to the altar and speak to the Lord between you and him, just you and him. But be real, because he already knows everything. But there's something sacred about the altar. There's always been something sacred about the altar. There's some anointing, some, some beautiful uh, Jesus. There's something about Jesus coming to the altar. It's always been sacred to him. So this is an opportunity an, uh, tonight for you to come and be a part of examining your own heart before the Lord. If you feel comfortable to do that in your own seat, that's fine. There's no pressure at all. But we need to have this time and this appointment with the Lord because the days are coming where the glory's coming. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you so much. We're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for how your long suffering in each one of our lives. You've watched our lives day by day as they have come. And we thank you 
that you love us so much that you're not willing for us to stay the same, but to be changed. Lord, change me from the inside. Help me to see what needs to come out. Help me to see what is not pleasing you and not be afraid of it, but call it out. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity tonight. This is a safe place, a place where the love of God is, where the brethren of the body is, where we can be transparent and humble with one another because there's not a one of us here that isn't struggling with something. So, Father, we just give you all the praise and glory as you work in our hearts individually and corporately as the body of Christ. Have your way, Lord. We long for that. We desire it. We want it. If there needs to be a repentance between you or someone else here in this place, do it. Humble yourself and do it. Don't wait. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. You have today. Let the Lord bless your heart. Let him cleanse your heart. Let him set you free tonight. Give him that opportunity. Father, we are just so grateful for your love. Grateful for the Holy Spirit who's here tonight. Grateful for Jesus. We love you so much. We love you so much, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you and bless you. Well, I think I'm going to add something in that wasn't planned. So the altar is open. forward if that's you. Is there anyone at all? Born again. Friend of God in the kingdom of God. This is your night. This is a day of salvation. Don't wait. If that's you and the Lord's tugging on your heart, don't wait. Come forward. If you want to renew your life to the Lord, maybe you've been backslidden. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you've done your own thing and you just want to rededicate your life to the Lord, this is your night. Don't go. Don't wait. Come. Why don't we sing in the spirit? 
If anyone wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, come on up. This is your night to receive. It's the power of God. You're going to need it. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters I'm surrendering my I surrender to Jesus, we're so grateful for your presence here with us tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to come together as your family. We bless you and honor you. We thank you for all that you've done for us tonight. We receive it. We embrace it. We love the truth of it. As we go forth, all we want to do is love one another because God so loved us. Amen. Well, we are free. I'd love for all of you to come downstairs and just fellowship together. Be transparent and loving to one another. Thank you so much for coming to the family of God tonight. Amen. Welcome each and every one of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. You are in the right place at the right time, doing the right things with the right people. <laughs> Amen. God is so good. Well, welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So glad that you're here tonight. And I'd like to encourage you, not that you need it, you men and women worshipers of God, but I'd like to always give you scripture to stir you up on the inside for your worship. And honestly, there's so many good uh, psalms and so many good worship in here, but I keep coming back to Revelations in, verse, uh, in chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Then I looked, 
and I saw voices of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 and 10,000 of thousands and thousands, and you're one of those. Glory to God, if you're born again. With a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea and all that are with them, I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Hallelujah. Does that stir you up? Because one day we're going to be there. Let's stand up. And if you want to come up and worship, you are more than welcome. Father, we thank you for this night. We give you all the glory and praise for it. We just submit ourselves to you and surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Have your way in us. We have ears to hear and hearts to receive tonight, Lord. We want all of you and all that you have for us. We thank you for it and we'll express our thanks to you. Amen. by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are our resurrected Savior. And you're alive in me. Say that, Jesus, you're alive in me. That resurrected power that redeemed us from all our sins, that defeated our enemy, Satan. That resurrection power is alive and well in me. Hallelujah. Thank you for Jesus. Thank him. Just lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for being raised from the dead, being my resurrected Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer, Healer. He is everything that you need. He's a chief problem solver. Glory to God. Jesus, we just give you glory tonight. We celebrate your presence here with us tonight. We are your body. And we welcome you. We celebrate you. We desire and long for you to be here with us tonight. Father, touch our hearts, any broken areas. Touch our bodies that needs any healing. Minister to our hearts, each and every one of us tonight. You are celebrated and welcome in this place. We give you all the glory. 
and all the praise. We thank you. We thank you, thank you, thank you for that precious blood that you spilled out for me. For us, we thank you and give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one way we express our love is by loving one another. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that you're here tonight. And the children may be dismissed. We have a Savior. We have a Savior in We have a Savior. We have a Savior. Good evening, everyone. Friendship. We are going to talk, first of all, about the men's group. What? Who was here last month or the first time for the men's group? Okay. Please invite someone else. Can you imagine what this men's group is going to do for CWI? Yeah. Does everyone know who Josh is when I have Josh's name in there? Josh, put your hand up. Josh, stand up. Turn around. Take a bow. Josh and Alicia do a lot. They are leading our youth group and young adults, and I just see amazing things happen with this group. Keep your eyes open. You're going to see it. It's, it's, really, it's really exciting. So... Josh is going to be looking for, we have a sign-up sheet out back, and Josh is going to be looking for your name on the sign-up sheet. The next meeting is March 27th. That would be a Saturday morning, 8 o'clock here at the church. And it's not long. It's only an hour, right, or close by? Oh, okay. Just forget I said that, but don't listen to Josh. You'll still be home in time to do your honey-do list, I promise. Okay. <laughs> okay. Glasses again. Oh, the next thing I want to say is we haven't used them yet, but above the pillars you see black boxes. Those black boxes will light up with numbers, and what the numbers will say is your number for your child. If you have a child downstairs in any age downstairs, you will receive, if you haven't already, a number that will go, it'll be like a family number. If you have a nursery child, then you have like a 1-0 something. I'm making this up. If you have a, if you have the next age group, it'll be two something. It'll be the same number, just the hundreds column will be different. So put that number in your Bible or in your purse or wherever so that if that number would appear up here, just immediately get up and go downstairs and see what's up. You know, maybe someone's just crying and needs to see their mom. Maybe someone, we don't know what. But anyway, if your number appears up there, please go downstairs and see. That's going to be easier than having the, the ladies that are, that are downstairs with the children, someone leaving the room and coming upstairs and getting you. So... That's what that number thing is about. And there's a reminder in there. And if you haven't received your number when you check your child in, when you sign them out, make sure you look for that number. Okay. 
Also, I don't know what to do with this. Have a balloon. I wish you could see his face. I'll tell Jen that you held her balloon. Okay. Pastor Sid mentioned the other week that the flow chart we had up on this one, and Pastor Sid was talking about that. I do have some copies with me this evening. Some people had asked for a copy. So I do have some. If you are, would like one, let me know. Okay. Okay. Let's turn it over to Troy. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I have the honor this evening of talking to you about tithes and offering. So I'm taking Jen's place this evening. And I will just preface all of this with letting you know that I'm a black and white kind of guy. It is what it is if the word says it is. So here we go. So I have a question for you. What are the consequences of not tithing? Any ideas? Hmm. You weren't ready for that question, so I'll let you think about it as I talk. Stopping your tithing means that you are no longer being obedient to God with your finances, first of all. When you stop tithing, it becomes impossible for God's promises about tithing to manifest in your life. That means to take place in your life, to come forth in your life. Those promises become null and void, keeping you from the benefits that make your life better. So by stopping tithing or not tithing the way the word says, you're reducing what the word says about your life and what God tells you will happen. We're going to look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 to, 11, 10 to 12, and I will not take long, I promise. It's, what does God promise about tithing? Well, in Malachi 3, 10 to 12, it says, Bring the full tithe, the full tithe, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, or prove me, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until, until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, not be able to touch your life, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. In this scripture, we find seven promises. There are actually seven promises that come forth about tithing, things that you can count on. But first, we have to remember, you have to remember as well, that the Lord tells us to bring the full tithe to him. All of our tithes. Bring them to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The scripture isn't just saying that we should bring some of our tithe, or just a small portion of our tithe, or even whatever I think I can afford at the time. In it, the Lord says, the full tithe. The Lord clearly tells every believer that the tithe belongs to him and his work. That comes through you, but he gives you the finances to be able to tithe from. Here we see that the Lord even challenges us when he says to test him. We find in verse 10 where he says, and thereby put me to the test or prove me. This is the only time in scripture 
that the Lord makes that offer. That is the one most amazing invitation that we have ever been given. And it comes from the Lord himself, that we as God's people can prove him in the matter of tithing. So as I said a moment ago, there are seven different promises. Let's look at them. In verse 10, he says, if I will not open the windows of heaven, it's important to note that the windows of heaven deal with revival. The Lord promises to revive every person who obeys him. Number two, he then tells us, he will pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You won't know where to put it all. Think about it. God Almighty declares clearly in the word that you and I will be prosperous. And all we need to do is to obey his word and to tithe. In verse 11, number three, the Lord goes on to say, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Rebuke means to cripple or to paralyze. God the Father actually cripples the enemy on our behalf when we tithe. The tithe is so important that the Lord, that he, that, pardon me, to the Lord that he promises to disable the enemy from being able to touch your life. But we're not done yet. Number four, next the Lord promises that he, that meaning the enemy, shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. This means that the enemy who God has crippled on your behalf will not be able to touch your finances. Those are the fruits of your, your ground that he's referring to. The enemy will not be able to touch your money as a result of your obedience to him in tithing. But remember, it's your full tithe. Told you I was a black and white kind of guy. It's your full tithe. Number five, verse 11 goes on to say, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Also in John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The vine refers to the family, and God gives this amazing promise to the tither. That when, that's when he says the enemy will not touch your family if you obey him. Number six, in verse 12, we see that the promise that all nations will call you blessed. In this most amazing blessing and promise, God will bless and prosper you so that the nations of the world will see the blessings of God upon you. In other words, you will be a mighty witness to the power of his blessings. People will be able to see what he has done in your life and through your life. And number seven, the final promise is made when the Lord says, you will be a land of delight. To be a land of delight means that you will be highly desired. As you obey the Lord with your tithe, God will highly desire you and he will use you in many capacities throughout your life and wherever you go. So in summary, he will bring you revival. He will give you the experience of great prosperity. The enemy will be crippled and will not touch your life. Your finances will be safe. Your family will be safe from the hand of the enemy. You will be a great witness of the power and blessings of the Lord to the nations, and you will be highly desired, and God will use you for his glory. I can't see why any born-again Christian wouldn't want all of that. And where does it come from? By giving your full tithe. Let's pray.
before we pray. Would anybody like an envelope? <laughs> it's on my notes, so I have to do this, you see. Yes, please make your checks out to CWI in your giving. And make sure you fill out the entire envelope if you are using a credit card. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening and we thank you, Lord, for this time and opportunity that we have to give, to give our tithes and offerings into the storehouse. We thank you, Lord, for blessing each and every one of us, for providing for us, for providing for our families, for protecting us, and for guiding us in all that we do. And we thank you for making us highly desired in your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If the ushers would bring the baskets and pass them across, that would be great. While you're doing that, we're going to move directly into giving for the missions fund. So if you are willing and interested in giving to missions, let me tell you why you should be, first of all. Yeah. I can tell you from my own personal point of view, my wife and I have been giving to missions for quite some time. I've been a participant in missions, and I found that the more you give, the more you get. I'm not talking about finances in this case. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about uh, relationship. I'm talking about the understanding that you're doing something incredibly good for people who have a great need. So by giving to the missions fund, you're giving to people in all of these nations that you see these flags represented by up here. So I would highly recommend giving. I know that my life and my wife's life is incredibly full as a result, and I know that yours can be too. So if you need another envelope, you may gladly raise your hand for giving for missions. And I'm going to do something slightly different and ask Jacob if he would pray over missions in just a second. There's a few people up front here yet that need some envelopes. Jacob, take it away. Heavenly Father, we worship you. Father, help us to give our whole heart to you. I believe in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that for this reason of my tithe, I tithe because I am God's precious treasure and he is mine. And by this act of tithing, we give our stamp of approval from the Father and us to the Father. And Lord, I pray that with this seed that everyone is sowing from their heart, that you reach the world to save souls. This is what it's all about. And Father, we want to obey your spirit and be part of the people that give their life to reach the nations. And everyone who participates in that, Heavenly Father, we pray for an abundance in their own lives to be able within the sphere of their influence to sow seeds of your word in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>